you cannot play gigs without music. Hey, streamers and dreamers. My name is Otto Kent, and you're listening to the very first episode of The Week by Telecom Electronic Beats. It's Thursday, March 30th, and this is your weekly update on music, culture, and what's next. Have you ever asked yourself how the artist of the track a DJ is playing gets paid? This week, we are diving into A-Slice, a brand new company that is trying to help close the gap between producer payouts and DJ incomes. Here's the thing, DJs usually only have to shell out once, that being the cost of a wave or MP3 download. Of course, producers get some shine, their music being played for hundreds, maybe thousands of people, but we all know exposure doesn't pay the rent. That's where A-Slice comes in. It's shining kind of a light and putting a focus on the disparity between DJ earnings and producer earnings. That was DBS1, the A-Slice founder at the 2022 International Music Summit. You probably know him better as the three-deck vinyl wizard and Berghain resident, His concept for A-Slice is simple. After DJs play a set or come back from a tour, they can upload their track listing to the A-Slice system. They choose a percentage of their gig earnings to split across all the producers. A-Slice then uses their technology to match and distribute the money more accurately, helping producers finally earn some play royalties from the DJs playing their tunes. Many of the people who make the records we all dance to are struggling to get by. Since the year 2000, music sales and producers' revenues have fallen rapidly, while DJ fees in most cases have actually skyrocketed. Some big industry players have taken notice too. Native Instruments integrated A-Slice into their Tractor DJ software to allow direct exports of playlists. And the DJ promo company FatDrop started using A-Slice as well. Some DJs are taking matters into their own hands. One of them is techno-futurist legend Richie Houghton. He just wrapped up his From Our Minds tour in North America, which was the very first of its kind to have the entire roster and every date use A-Slice. To get nerdy with it, Richie's tour amassed 50 hours of playlists from 11 DJs. They all got sent to the A-Slice oven to cook up a yummy pie for hungry producers. But are DJs actually on board with this idea? Aren't there royalty systems in place for musicians to get paid already? To be honest, the only equal sharing I've seen DJs do well is B2Bs and shared posts on Instagram. To find out more, we asked THE Richie Houghton for an interview, and he dropped by our Berlin studio to chat with us about his experiment blending A-Slice with his From Our Minds tour. Richie... Thank you for joining us. Hi, nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you in the studio and um, even more exciting to chat about A-Slice. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a mission very close to my heart. So happy to talk about it and explain it. I mean, to quote you specifically, you said one of the most exciting and altruistic projects our scene has ever seen. That's such a grandiose, it's a fatty statement. How, how, give me the skinny answer or the skinny response. A slice just comes from the heart, and it really feels like an idea that is founded where this scene came from, but only makes sense now with the scene or industry as large as it is, but facing problems that we never expected when we started making records in the late 80s and 90s. It seems like a long time coming situation, which you just explained. But, like, tell me about your introduction to the idea. 
It's a long time coming because the the scene and things changed not overnight, just slowly. And I think it took a while to realize that something needed to help, you know, the current situation of economics between DJs and and artists and producers. And uh, it was something that I was already feeling because I was already thinking, how, you know, do I give some back to the people who are supporting me so well? the people who were making the music I, I I was playing. And it was already like, is there an economic thing I can do here? But it just, every time I thought about it, my brain hurt. And then Zach knocked on the door and said, hey, I have this idea for A Slice. And I was like, man, as he started talking about it, like I knew what he was, where he was going before he finished. And I was already like, I'm in. It's so cool. I mean, I feel like that might be the reaction a lot of people are having. And and that's what I wanted to ask you about this tour where you decided to take A Slice on and um, kind of make it a, a so-called requirement of DJs that were supporting the tour. It's not your typical booking process to be like, hey, come play for me. Here's the fee. But also I need you to like do this thing. What well, it must have sparked some really interesting conversations. Unfortunately, not everybody understands or agrees with the idea behind A Slice. And so the reason we made it a requirement, you know, for the From Our Minds tour was just to spread, you know, the, the you know, more, more, more energy f- for this great cause. And all the artists, because all the artists on the tour are young and up and coming, jumped on immediately. Most of them were already signed up to A-Slice, but it's this next generation that gets it because they're living it. And it's the older generation who perhaps don't want to take the time to really think about this issue. Well, let's let's dig a little bit deeper into the slicing things up portion of it, which is probably where the naysayer energy yeah. comes from. Um, A-Slice recommends 5% of that gig's fee to be split up uh, towards the producers that you played. What do you think is your magic number if it's not 5%? You know, it's so difficult, and I wrecked a lot of brain power on that. And I've ended up just doing a flat fee because fees go up and down. There's, you know, free gigs. There's expenses that go into it. There's festival shows. And and so I found that was an easy way just to make it happen. You know, because, you know, I'm doing 100 gigs plus a year and there's a lot of other things going on that you don't really want to waste brain power. So that's what I, w- I, w- I would say. And, and, and just, you know, what, what feels comfortable for you? You know, is it in the tens of dollars, hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars? And everyone has a, a completely different way to think and adjust their mind about it. The most important thing is just starting to do it and making it part of your process. You cannot play gigs without music. So no music, no gigs, no money. So it makes complete sense to me that you should share part of your success and your income. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is activism, right? And... For the people who are listening to a podcast like this or for people who might not be ever paid to play music out, to share it up, there's a 
greater point at work here. And uh, last summer, actually, I worked on a royalties project for a indie techno label. And now, don't get me wrong, I love a spreadsheet, Virgo Energy through and through. It was probably one of the top 10 most annoying projects I've ever taken on. And people need to know, even though there are countries uh, who have these systems for royalties uh, all over for, for artists and labels to get their share of when music is played, that the system is extremely broken. It, it's just gamed against even smart people, even people who enjoy the boring work of trying to uh, register their music. So... Could you expand a little bit on that? You know, the system that's in place around the world to get people paid for music that's played in clubs or in your restaurant, it's it, 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 it just the way it's sampled and, and, and the way they, you know, the amount of money, the, 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 the dollars and cents, it just takes a lot of manpower and infrastructure and time to actually finally get to the right person, even if that person is registered. And when you're talking about a music that is not popular music, like no, no matter how big our scene is compared to the 1990s, we are still a fringe movement. We are not pop music. Well, some techno is pop these days, but it's still, it, it's very, very time consuming and it just doesn't really pencil out. The scene has grown over the last 30 years, and we see two opposing forces. We see DJ fees continue to climb, and because of all the complications of streaming and royalties and all this thing we can't explain right here, the actual income for musicians and producers has gone down. So DJs playing other people's music are making thousands, if not millions of dollars, and producers in the bedroom making incredible heart, you know, wrenching, you know, energy-filled, inspiration-inducing music for these DJs have to go and get a part-time job or a full-time job to make ends meet. It does not, it, it can't work like that. It's not sustainable. Perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I'm not doing many things, but like I, I, as, no, you know, I, I believe in this, what Zach's doing. And, and, and it's not even just this. It's like, to me, the, the, the ethos and like, it reminds me of where the scene came from. Absolutely. And, and, and any project that reminds me about that warm feeling, but it's something that is now and moving forward also needs to be something we kind of hug and you know, bring close to us. And now let's hit the other headlines that mattered this week. How healthy are your ears? Ever come home after a night out to find a nasty ringing noise playing rent-free inside your head? It is way more common than you think. According to the latest stats from the World Health Organization, as much as half of young people today are at risk of hearing loss, Another study has found that 50% of live music attendees experience ringing in their ears, but only one in 10 wear earplugs. It doesn't stop at hearing loss either. Overexposure to loud noise can also lead to tinnitus and deafness. Tinnitus is a real problem for artists. Thomas Bankhalter, formerly of Daft Punk, Lars, the drummer from Metallica, and Barbra Streisand are amongst many suffering from it. 
While all of this may sound scary, there's a simple remedy, guys. Earplugs, earplugs, earplugs. Better safe than... Sorry, what did you say? Beyonce and Balmain is now a thing. Beyonce has announced a new fashion collab with the French luxury brand Balmain. It's called Renaissance Couture. It will consist of 16 fits, each inspired by one song off of Beyonce's Grammy Award-winning LP, Renaissance. The collab announced with Balmain came via Beyonce's official Instagram, with a modest post of Bay on the cover of Vogue. No biggie. A quick glance at the collection immediately spells to me club kid, high drag, and Met Gala behavior. I can barely pronounce Balmain, let alone afford some, so I'll be enjoying it from the comfort of my iPad. The birthplace of house music is under attack. Okay, the powers that be are really trying it in Chicago right now. The Post, one of Chicago's last remaining Black-owned music venues, was shut down indefinitely by police in mid-March. On top of that mess, the warehouse is now under threat of demolition. It's the legendary Chicago nightclub, where in 1977 and after, DJ Frankie Knuckles coined a sound that would one day be called house music. The warehouse was sold to new owners in December, and it is listed as one of the most endangered historical buildings in Chicago. Now a petition has been launched to save the warehouse and give it that landmark status it deserves. You can find the link in our show notes to do your part to save music history. Radio is pretty much alive, and it's a bot now. These days, I can't even take a without someone announcing another breakthrough AI technology. Even old school and seemingly less relevant forms of media are now getting AI overhauls. Which brings us to AI's latest conquest, radio. There's now a station solely powered by artificial intelligence. Its name is, drumroll please, Radio GPT. And it uses GPT-4 technology to create scripts and digital content based on what's trending in a local market. This news comes only weeks after Spotify announced their AI-powered DJ tool. Spotify's tool can mix songs seamlessly, create personalized playlists, and provide listeners with a radio-like listening experience. Hey, I'm not mad at it. Let's see where it takes us. Hey, I'm not done with you yet. This is the part of our show where we roll out the magenta carpet for some of our favorite artists, DJs, and expert music lovers. They'll be sharing personal recommendations to help us machete our way through the jungle of content standing in your way daily. Recommendation number one comes from Teresa, a German DJ, curator, and radio host who's probably best known for her long-running show on Worldwide FM. All right, Teresa, what's a record you recently found but didn't know you were looking for? Hi, my name is Teresa. Thanks for having me. One of the songs is Life is Like a Samba. It's a song by jazz pianist David Benoit. It's from 1979, so obviously not the contemporary club sound I'm usually after. But I found this one actually browsing through Discogs on quite a cold and grey German winter day. And I think I've been annoying all the people around me with it since. The arrangement is super simple. There are not a whole lot of elements, but as soon as the keys fully come in and the vocals start, you will immediately feel like you're living your best life on the beach. 
I played it for the first time at one of the last public possession Insta sessions two weeks ago. Rest in peace, Klenze 16. And I'm really looking forward to playing it at a couple of festivals this summer. I think it could be a perfect last song in the set. Closing song cosine. That's big. Thanks, Teresa. You can find the link to Life is Like a Samba in the show notes, of course. That's all for the week this week. Thank you for locking in. I'll be here next Thursday. Take care and remember to stop scrolling. The Week is a production by Telecom Electronic Beats and ACB Stories.